Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. And have a child with her. And that child will be your legal heir uh, and can carry on the family name and carry on these great promises that God has made for us. Well, if you're really sure that's what you want to do, but don't you think you might be a little jealous of her? No, no, I don't think so. I want to see a child, and I want to see these three promises fulfilled. And then later in the story, when Hagar becomes pregnant, she begins to taunt Sarah, Sarai. And she's now kind of the queen bee, if you will, of the household. And of course, Sarah comes to uh, Abram and she says, Abe, this is all your fault. Now remember, it was my plan, but uh, I readily gave Hagar to you as a second wife. And it's you who should have kept her in line so that uh, she had no her place. Remember, she is your second wife. And we know the story. Later, of course, God fulfilled his promise to Abram and Sarah. And uh, at the age of 90, uh, Isaac was born to them. But that same old problem with Hagar uh, rose to the surface again uh, and began to uh, cause troubles. Uh, one day when uh, young Ishmael was 16 years old and Isaac was much younger, uh, Sarah saw him persecuting or bullying uh, young Isaac. And of course that got her all upset and that was the last straw. And thus, the scene that you see depicted in this picture here, where uh, she insisted that Abram or Abraham by now send her away. Uh, Abraham didn't like that idea, but uh, he did consult with God, and God gave his blessing, his okay for him to do that. So, one who is a faithful, faithful person, known as the father of the faithful, yet failed to trust God along with the scheming of his wife. Their other plan, of course, caused great agony and suffering. Have you ever wondered how the Middle East would be today if it had not been for Hagar and Ishmael? I wonder how much different the world might be. But again, a failure to trust resulted in catastrophe for one part of our world. Now another event that's uh, still in in the past that we've talked about before. Uh, This is from a sermon in Deuteronomy that Moses delivered and he was talking about their previous experiences uh, where the people had been many times unfaithful. Uh, And I'd like to uh, read one passage there from Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 36. Yet for all that you did not believe or trust the Lord your God, you, who, went, who went 
in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents, to show you the way you should go. In the fire by night and in clouds by day, the Lord heard the sounds of your words and was angry and took an oath saying, surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see that good land, the land of promise, of which I swore to give to your fathers, except for Caleb. So a whole generation of Israelites were lost because of their failure to trust God on numerous occasions. In the book of Hebrews, we find this very uh, situation cited as one of the five great warnings in that book. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 3 at verse 10, we read this. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief or failure to trust in departing from the living God. In other words, finding your own way, finding your own plan, but exhort one another daily. So a failure to trust God costs these people their rest. A failure for on our part to trust God obviously will cost us that wonderful rest of heaven. Now I want to go back on the uh, chronological line that I've been following, and I want to talk about King Asa of Judah. The uh, kingdom had split into two parts by now, and uh, Asa is the uh, third king now of the southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, He was, of course, a descendant of uh, David, a great-great-grandson. And he was a good king for the most part. Uh, He uh, was uh, advised by some of God's better prophets, and we read uh, what one of them, uh, uh, well, he advised uh, Asa, and Asa responded in a very positive way, as, as is recorded in Second Chronicles chapter 14, beginning at verse 26. And I want to read that. And if you will, follow down this list of things that are recorded in this passage in First, Second Chronicles 14. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods in the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandments. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah and the kingdom was quiet under him. And he built fortified cities for the land had rest He had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. God blessed Asa uh, because he was a good man. He was a good king. He blessed him from a military perspective as well. Uh, We read in one instance in 2 Chronicles 14, a little bit later, beginning verse 9, when the Ethiopians came up against 
of them with an army of a million men. And Asa had only about half that many. And they came with 300 chariots and came to Marishah. So Asa went out against him and they set the troops in battle ray in the valley of Zephathah at Marishah. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we have, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Oh, for a faith like that of Asa, who believed and trusted in the Almighty God and his ability to deliver. And so, as a consequence of his faithful faithfulness, uh, one verse tells us there was no war in Judah for some 35 years of Asa's reign. So he was faithful, he trusted God's plan, the plan to defeat their enemies. But somewhere along the way, Asa changed. He stopped listening to God. Uh, Somewhere in the middle years, uh, there was a prophet of God who came to Asa and he gave him these words in 2 Chronicles 15. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, Pardon me just a moment. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, you will be found. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So Asa continued to follow God. He listened to the prophet. And uh, the uh, kingdom of Judah reaped the benefits as well. But he had drifted away momentarily. And the words from God by this prophet brought him back. But somewhere along the way in later years, and for a reason that's undisclosed in Scripture, uh, Asa lost his trust in God. And he failed and stopped listening to God. And this is recorded in Second Chronicles 16, 1 through 4. This is late in his reign, in the 30, <clears throat> 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, the northern kingdom, came up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might let no one go out or come in to Asa, the king of Judah. Then Asa bought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord. He robbed the temple and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you silver and gold. Come, break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, the northern kingdom, so that he will withdraw from me. So Ben-Hadad heeded Asa. So Asa bribed, in effect, 
or bought as a mercenary the Syrians uh, and their king to fight on their behalf. And so Asa lost his trust in God. Uh, Rather than continue to trust, to rely on God, he formed this alliance with a foreign country and his army. That was to be his source of protection uh, instead of the Almighty God. Then another prophet comes along, Hanani, and he confronted King Asa. And uh, here is what he had to say. And part of it is given there in Second Chronicles 16, beginning at verse 7. And at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you, have not rel- because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubims uh, not a huge army with their very many chariots and horsemen, whom God had defeated previously? Yet, because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on you shall have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. So Asa has gone totally off the rails. He no longer listens to God. He persecutes God's prophet for bringing him the truth. And he even uh, oppresses his own people. Uh, he has, in our in the expression of, of our time, he's lost it. He's totally uh, failed in his trust of God. The last thing that's said about Asa while he, while he was alive is found in Second Chronicles 16 at verse 12. And in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. So Asa, even in his final days, refused to trust God. Rather, he would trust the physicians, which I'm not saying anything against doctors. I have a lot of trust in my doctors too. But his trust should have been in the Lord. Another king in Israel, or in Judah rather, and we're talking about now, Hezekiah, and this is nine generations later. Uh, Hezekiah was known also like Asa as a good king. Uh, He was his nemesis, his enemy were the Assyrians and Sennacherib, their king, sent a large army, a large army, and he laid siege to the city of Jerusalem. And uh, Hezekiah was was king at that time. And uh, as I said, he was a good king. He trusted God. He trusted his plans. 
Uh, and he was, a, he was a reformer in many ways like uh, Asa that we mentioned. He tore down idols and he, uh, that had been erected by his evil father, Ahaz. And so the Sennacherib of the Assyrians sent an ambassador named Rabshakeh with a letter to Hezekiah. And he brazenly stood outside the temple wall on the, on the water aqueduct there so all the people could see and hear, and he read this letter out very loudly. Uh, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 18, uh, we uh, see as we read here, Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and spoke, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. <clears throat> For he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand, nor let, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be given, sh- oh, say, this is what Hezekiah would supposedly say, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. I was about thought I saw a conflict in that verse there at first. So Rabshakeh is saying, you know, don't don't trust your God. He mocked Hezekiah and he mocked God. Uh, I would suggest that that's not a very smart thing to do. But in 2 Kings 19, uh, verse 35, Hezekiah's trust continued in God and this is the result. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when the people arose early in the morning, there were corpses, all dead. Now, I have always been amused at that verse. How could they be anything other than dead if they were all corpses? But I suppose the Lord, the Holy Spirit's trying to make a point for us there to be sure and understand that God delivered Hezekiah and his people. In Second uh, Chronicles 32, it says something about the aftermath of all of this. At verse 22 in Second Chronicles 32, Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others, and guided them on every side. And many brought gifts to the Lord of Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all the nation. Somewhat later, Hezekiah became very ill, and he was near death. And we're probably familiar with that story. The prophet Isaiah brought word to him that he was soon to die because of his illness. And Hezekiah, we know, prayed very, very earnestly that God would spare him. And he even cried, he wept for healing. In 2 Chronicles 32 at verse 24, And in those days Hezekiah was sick and near death, and he prayed to the Lord, and he spoke to him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. Then 
Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, and he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. Apparently, because he was given more years of life, apparently Hezekiah became proud about that and uh, a little bit puffed up, not giving credit to whom credit was due. So he wavered in his trust of God uh, and he almost brought disaster to his people. Uh, Like Hezekiah, sometimes our trust weakens in God. And uh, as, as our brother John suggested to us this morning, we have to be sure that we have that circle of confidants, of friends, of brothers and sisters who will help to bolster our courage and keep us humble. Another king, King Manasseh, he's the son of Hezekiah. And you would expect a good father to raise a good son. Well, not so. Uh, Manasseh was one of the most evil of kings uh, in all of Judah. And uh, he brought back all of the idols that Hezekiah and other kings had banished. He un- basically undid everything that uh, his father had done that was right and good. Uh, and he even copied the uh, practices of idolatry and so forth of, of his northern kingdom neighbors. And he led the people down a very wicked path. In uh, Second Chronicle, or in Second Kings, rather, verse twenty-one, verse sixteen, this is said of Manasseh and his evil. He shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Another prophet of God, one long lived, and we've heard of before, Isaiah, came to Manasseh. And he prophesied on a number of occasions and told him basically he should correct his ways. But Manasseh, of course, didn't like all of this and he became very angry. Uh, And in fact, he became so angry and, and Isaiah is now almost 90 years old. He sent his soldiers out to find Isaiah. Uh, the, uh, Jewish tradition says that Isaiah hid either in a hollow log or in a hollow tree trunk, and that they found him. And what is said of, again in tradition, is they cut Isaiah in two with a saw vertically. Now, there's a passage in Hebrews at verse, uh, Hebrews 11 at verse 37 that talks about one of God's faithful people of the past who had been sawn in two. And many people think that has reference to this uh, traditional event uh, about Isaiah. In Second Chronicles 33 and verse 11, more is said about Manasseh and the consequences that came to him. Therefore the Lord, the Lord brought upon them the captains of the army of king of Assyria who took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with fetters, and carried him off to Babylon. And then later in the following verses, now when he, Manasseh, was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before God 
of his fathers and prayed to him. And he received his entreaty, heard his supplication, and brought him back to Jerusalem and into the kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. So we see the opposite kind of switch here. A man who was absolutely evil, humbled by the wrath of God, and he repented and uh, was brought back as a king. But he was, he was so caught up in sin and he had had such a great influence, evil influence, on the people of Judah that the nation of Judah never recovered after that. Uh, they, they refused to turn away from their idols. Uh, they refused to repent like their king had done. And of course, later on, the Babylonians come and they pay a great price because of their evil, because of God's wrath. And I want to have you to think a little bit. These are some names of people in the Bible that I think at one point lost or failed to exhibit trust in God. And I want to ask you to think about how did Cain fail to show trust in God? And I do want to warn you, I want some answers, some feedback from you, but I have to tell you my hearing aids quit working last night and so... So uh, if you don't mind, if you'll speak a little louder and I'll try to move close to wherever you are so that we can have some useful discussion. How did Cain fail to trust God? Anyone have any? Yes. Good comments. Uh, The comment is that uh, at the time of Cain and Abel, there was a covenant in place. God had expectations as far as his worship was concerned. Abel kept that covenant. Cain did not. Cain did not trust enough in God to follow through and worship him as he had been told. How about Samson? What do you think Samson's failure was? Who has a thought? I'm, I'm sorry. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. And that, of course, was contrary to God's will. But what did, what did he rely on? He relied on muscle power, didn't he? He relied on his physical strength. Uh, and at some point, seems to have lost faith or weakened faith in God. Uh, he had perhaps a level of pride in his manliness and his strength, uh, less so in the strength of the Lord. Jonah. Jonah ran away from God. That's right. He did. Uh, and he didn't want to preach to these Ninevites. Why do you think that was? Why didn't he want to preach to them? Yeah, Fred? I've always understood because he knew God would relent and forgive Nineveh if they repented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that, that he would, that God would 
forgive the Ninevites if they repented of their sin. Jonah said, I don't want to go and preach to these people. Uh, It seems to me that he was probably prejudiced, perhaps even hated these people. Uh, They may have been a nation or a people that uh, were enemies uh, of Jonah's people. I don't know, but uh, God had a plan. And Jonah says, I've got my own plan. I think I'll go a different way. Naaman, what do you think there? How did, how did his, what did he trust in? The rivers in his own country. The rivers in his own country, right. Yep. Uh, this muddy old Jordan River, eh, not so good. Uh, it'd rather be, and, and why isn't, why wasn't it good, just as good to stay at home and be cleaned up, have my leprosy healed, uh, in my own country? Yep. Yes, he turned to himself. Uh, yeah, he did. Uh, trusted himself. Yeah, yeah, he did. He, uh, that's a good point, Brother James. He went, he, his, it, rather than as he was admonished or told, advised, I suppose, to go to God's prophet, he went first to the king thinking that authority, power, government, uh, was the source to which he could uh, trust and rely. Uh, so he showed lack of trust of the Lord's plan for him uh, in a lot of ways. I have to believe that it was God's providence who brought that young woman into his life and uh, provided the advice for him that he reluctantly, finally uh, accepted Isn't it true also that some people today reject that same kind of water salvation, if you will? Some people rather say, well, I'll be sprinkled or I'll have a little water poured on my head. I don't think I'll bother with this immersion thing. Uh, I have my own plan. Then there's Judas Iscariot, the traitor. I have to perhaps do a little more speculating here since we're not told a lot about what Judas was thinking. But what, what might have been going through Judas Iscariot's mind as he, was, as he carried out the deed that he did? He came up with his own plan, didn't he? God, of course, had a plan for Jesus. uh, And Jesus was very willing to go along with that plan. But uh, Judas' plan, if, if it truly succeeded, if it truly overwhelmed God's plan, uh, would have altered the course uh, for all of us. But God's plan will always prevail. It will always, as we read last week, it will always come to pass.
And I uh, was uh, struck by some of John's comments earlier because it fits in very well with this passage in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 that advises us to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. In other words, that circle of confidants, that circle of friends, that circle of advisors, uh, we of course apply this in many ways. We apply it to the marriage covenant of not being unequally yoked, and we've perhaps known of people who uh, have had disastrous effects in their life in terms of their faith because uh, they married outside of Christ. And then in business, or many of the relationships that we can enter into uh, in our lives, uh, we place ourselves at risk by partnering with people who are not faithful Christians. That is, in effect, a departure from God's plan for us. Uh, this particular statement is is a command. It's an imperative. It's something we must do uh, in order to guard our own trust in God, to, to guard our own faith. It is certainly, if we partner up with someone, it, there is a natural tendency to trust that person. You have a level of confidence in them and to trust their advice, uh, to trust their guidance. But we know all sorts of pitfalls can come from that. Well, perhaps you have seen just a, a bit of some of the people and some of the consequences that come from the failure to trust God and his plans for us. Uh, we will continue on talking about his plan in coming weeks and how it plays out. And despite the efforts of some of these people, God's plan always works out. Shall we bow in prayer? Heavenly Father, we are truly grateful to you that you uh, are so wise, that you very wisely selected before time began a plan for us, a plan to save us, a plan to deliver us from sin and death. Father, we're grateful for the knowledge, for the wisdom, for the power that you have exhibited in bringing your plan about. And Father, we ask that you would help us to truly have the confidence in your plan and what you would have us to do and what you would have us to be in our lives so that our efforts will be truly to work and to make our plan your plan. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.